Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Primary Care Podcast. It's your boy, Dr. Mark List. Uh, on today's episode, before we get into it, we're going to hit up the primarycarepod at gmail.com inbox. Oh, that was really fast. I'm going to see if I can see it even faster. The primarycarepod at gmail.com inbox. And one more time. Primarycarepod at gmail.com inbox. Okay. Uh, today, we're going to hit up a joke uh, that I thought was pretty funny uh, from an anonymous listener. Uh, Dr. List, uh, a girlfriend, a girl asked her boyfriend, uh, what are your plans for today? Boy says, well, me and my mom are going to go buy some glasses. Girlfriend says, well, what about after that? Boyfriend says, well, I guess we'll see. Bob, start that beautiful podcast music, and let's start the episode. The Primary Care Podcast is written and edited by a family physician for an audience of other physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants, residents, medical students interested in primary care topics. This is not a podcast for patients. You should not be using medical advice. This is also a personal podcast produced on my own time and solely reflecting my personal opinions. Statements of this podcast do not reflect the views or policies of my employer, past or present, or any other organization with which I may be affiliated. Thank you for listening to the Primary Care Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark List. Here to bring you the latest news, guidelines, and updates from primary care sources around the globe. Keeping it under 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and I'm not that smart. Well, welcome back to the podcast, uh, Pod Girls, Pod Boys. Uh, I- I'm trying to get creative with my my wells, my welcome backs. Uh, hopefully, you enjoyed that. Um, so today, on today's episode, we're going to talk about a, a a new a new study. Right, uh, just came out August 29th, 2020. Uh, somewhat controversial, uh, just because of its simplicity. Um, this was a Spanish study on vitamin D and COVID-19 treatment. Uh, there, uh, uh, this is from the Journal of Steroid Biochemistry and Molecular Biology, uh, EPUB ahead of print. And what they looked at was 76 patients uh, hospitalized with COVID-19 infection in Spain. And what they did was gave 26 untreated controls their standard of care regimen, which was at this point hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin, and 50 patients were treated with that same uh, with that same treatment uh, protocol, but then also given calcifidiol. Okay, so what is calcifidiol? It rapidly increases 25 hydroxy hydroxylated vitamin D concentration. So when we talk about what this does, we're talking about how these patients were, were, were randomized, electronically randomized, but the randomization wasn't perfect in the study. In the treatment group, uh, sorry, in the non-treatment group, there tended to be higher rates of diabetes and hypertension. And so when that happens, obviously those are higher risk um, diseases. So this wasn't a perfect treatment, but this is the first time, right? This is the first time that we have a vitamin D in a randomized control trial, okay, in a two-to-one ratio, um, to see if vitamin D is a possible treatment. And and the outcomes were pretty spectacularly uh, different, uh, significantly different. Uh, 50% reduction in, um, or almost a 50% reduction in ICU care, um, only one out of the 50 people with the calcifidiol required ICU admission, 26 uh, of the 26, 13% required admission, which was um, definitely clinically significant. And there were no deaths in the uh, treatment group and in the control group, uh, two died. Okay. So I, I think it's important to pause and say that um, this was not a perfect study. In fact, this was a pretty weak study, pretty small 
n number of only 76, but it's the first time that we see a quite positive study with vitamin D. Now, why is this important? Because vitamin D has been linked and correlated and correlated and correlated and correlated and correlated with worsening outcomes. And, and I say correlated and not causative because as we all know, vitamin D is, vitamin D deficiency is a lot more common in sicker patients. Patients with chronic medical diseases tend to have lower vitamin D. Patients with lower vitamin D tend to be Tend to be, it's ten, vitamin D deficiency tends to be more prevalent in people of color who are certainly more affected uh, by COVID and are certainly more likely to be hospitalized and even die of COVID. Vitamin D deficiency is a lot is a lot more common in older, sicker patients and older patients, uh, institutionalized patients in long-term care facilities, etc., uh, tend to have lower vitamin D and they tend to be uh, affected by COVID significantly. So it's been highly, highly, highly correlated for a long time. And this is the first uh, that I am aware of randomized control trial using vitamin D as a way, a, a, a calcifidiol, right, um, as a way to potentially treat COVID-19 in the hospital. Now, again, it's important to remember that this is a very, very small study. It's not super well done. The randomization is not perfect. There are some glaring issues with the study. But uh, it's, a, it's a nice uh, it's a nice kind of initial study to show that maybe there is some plausibility for treating vitamin D. Now, now, don't get me wrong. Uh, we're going to talk at the end of the study. I am not a huge like vitamin D solves everything person because I think we've talked about in this podcast before. Vitamin D has been correlated to everything and has never been shown to be causative for pretty much anything when it comes to randomized control trials and we actually get the actual good studies of it. Now, why do we think that vitamin D is, could be helpful. Well, vitamin D, there's a vitamin D receptor and there's a signaling pathway after vitamin D in, in the cell and in intracellular process. And there could be some benefits to ARDS, decreasing cytokine storms, potentially affecting this whole bradykinin pathway as it does impact, vitamin D does impact the renin-angiotensin system. Um, we also know it does a bunch of other stuff like endothelial repair um, and probably decreases coagulability, et cetera. And, and we know, we know that um, there's obviously cytokine storms involved with this ARDS uh, with severe cases of COVID. We also the newest theory is that this that major major uh, morbidity and major side effects of COVID are actually caused from bradykinin storms, which is a downstream effect of the RAS or an angiotensin system. So vitamin D might have its fingers in all of those things. Why do I say might? And this is and this is really the part of the podcast I want to talk about. Now I would we're going to pause here for a second. We're going to pause before I get to that part. And we're going to get back to that about, I want to talk about vitamin D in a bigger sense. But in COVID-19, we are looking for anything that can decrease mortality. We're looking for anything that can make more of these early cases change the pathway down from going towards hospitalization, ICU, high oxygen needs, um, secondary complications, and find a way that early in the disease, we could potentially be stopping the progression to worsening disease. So vitamin D would be something that would be incredibly easy that we could give at diagnosis as an outpatient that presumably could have some benefit if, 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 if it pans out to be true, which again, we have not seen good high quality data. And I would not put this in good data or high quality data, but it is, it is data and it is pointing us in the right direction. 
Vitamin D is also incredibly dirt cheap and at regular physiological doses of replacement is non-toxic and not harmful if done obviously appropriately and in you know within reason because we just don't have a lot of great outpatient options and you know if those of you who listen to the podcast if you practice in the outpatient world I'm assuming you do just like me we just don't have a lot of great options right maybe steroids are helpful but we don't have any data on outpatient data so even though we have good dexamethasone data and we we know hydrocortisone has now been has linked to be positive it's really, really sketchy to give it to somebody. Why? Because 99.6% of cases uh, do just fine, right? In that realm, uh, people end up being okay um, and, and not dying from COVID-19 in you know, 99, you know, 99% of cases. So do you really want to cause more harm than good if we don't have good outpatient data or outpatient treatment uh, options? You know, there's, there's uh, monoclonal antibodies. There's now an outpatient arm that our university... Uh, what do I, uh, Anawa University, I forgot what I, my, my university was called, Anawa Healthcare System here. Uh, we are now enrolled in a clinical trial that I can, that I can enroll patients in a monoclonal antibody for outpatient treatment. So that's, that's reassuring that for my high-risk people, I have an option. Um, again, question mark if steroids will ever be an outpatient option. You know, we were talking about the hydroxychloroquine route for a while, and the data is incredibly mixed with hydroxychloroquine, some positive, some negative. But no clear evidence that it's a uh, it's a great first line outpatient option. Um, if anything, it's going to be just like remdesivir, which is you know probably positive. Uh, remdesivir obviously is only for inpatients and uh, you know very expensive and has probably not you know it, it does have it probably works but probably very weakly. And so what are we talking about? Well, vitamin D is obviously not going to be the miracle cure. It's obviously not going to you know dramatically lower mortality in all likelihood. But what can we do? I mean, certainly it's reasonable to, you know, offer vitamin D as a means to, okay, if you are vitamin D deficient, let's make sure that you are not vitamin D deficient and let's replace that. And they use calcifediol as it's very easy to, um, to increase the serum levels at a very, very, very rapid rate. Okay. So, uh, now, how does this apply to the outpatient world? It doesn't. This is not something that I'm going to routinely do for every patient, but I think I might offer and say, hey, there's some very, very, very weak evidence that potentially this could be helpful. It's certainly not going to be harmful to you. You could certainly try it if you want to try it. If you don't want to try it, it's probably not going to make a major difference either way. Again, why? Because the majority of the patients that I see are not going to be hospitalized. They're going to be fine. They're not going to have any long-term complications. And uh, that's who I see on an outpatient basis. If I was an inpatient, I'd probably put every single hospitalized COVID patient on it. And actually, I believe that our hospital system, our animal system, uh, is doing that right now. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but I, from what I understand, uh, a lot of them have been doing that for vitamin D deficient patients and replacing it. So uh, I wanted to talk about, for the last five minutes of this podcast, the vitamin D effect. Okay. The vitamin D effect. Okay. Oh, and by the way, um, what, what does that look like in terms of the, the, we talk about relative risk and absolute risk ratio, because, you know, that's something that I like to do a lot when it comes to this. So, you know, it's roughly this, you know, 50%, you know, people with vitamin D deficiency are 77% more likely, um, to get hospitalized or to have complications, uh, with COVID. The absolute risk uh, increase for being vitamin D deficient is 4.5%. So, I mean, there is absolutely something to being vitamin D deficient. 
right, uh, in terms of getting the virus. You know, a 4%, 5% increase um, in getting COVID-19 just be being vitamin D deficient isn't anything to snuff at. So um, again, there is, there is some value to it. Okay, so the last five minutes I want to talk about vitamin D correlation, right? So we talked about all the people that are more prone to get vitamin D deficiency, right? Uh, people with, with chronic diseases, people with general poor health have lower vitamin levels, vitamin D levels, people who are older, people who are chronically institutionalized in long-term care facilities, and uh, people of color, right, who tend to have worse health outcomes. So I'm going to run down a list. I was just curious, and I was like, you know, what are the, what are the latest research studies on vitamin D and disease states? Because if you, if you flip open the popular media, popular media being any news reports, anything you'd find on Google News or on your local blog or your Facebook pages or whatever, right? Vitamin D, uh, vitamin D deficiency linked with asthma or related to tuberculosis, to depression, um, uh, fractures, uh, you, you, you name it, right? You name it, okay? So I, I, I went on uh, Journal Watch, okay? And I searched for vitamin D, okay? Okay. Uh, from August 26, 2020, does vitamin D supplementation reduce asthma exacerbations in children? No. Vitamin D supplementation does not prevent active tuberculosis in July 31, 2020. Uh, so replacing uh, vitamin D uh, does not does not uh, help prevent against active tuberculosis. Uh, does it prevent against depression in, in non-depressed elderly people? Does it prevent depression? Uh, August 12, 2020. No. Does vitamin D supplements uh, lower the risk for depression in middle-aged patients? No. Uh, does vitamin D alone prevent fractures? No. January 7th of 2020. 23rd, 2020. Does vitamin D supplementation protect against type 2 diabetes? Maybe. Maybe. Hey, that's 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 something. Uh, does uh, February 5th, 2020. Does prenatal vitamin D reduce asthma in school-aged children? No. Uh, does vitamin D uh, impact long-term cognition and multiple sclerosis? Yeah, actually. So maybe there is one thing in, in multiple sclerosis, right? Uh, does vitamin D supplementation lower short-term short, short -term all cause mortality? No. Uh, does vitamin D, uh, let's keep going here. Uh, vitamin D. Uh, so uh, again, my point is, uh, again, there's all these things that are correlated, right? Correlated. Vitamin D deficiency is correlated with all kind of health outcomes, but it is not causative. And replacement of the deficiency does not prevent the disease, does not usually help the disease in 90% of cases. So again, you have to follow the data because vitamin D has its fingers in so many processes. And because vitamin D deficiency is associated with chronic diseases, is associated with lower socioeconomic status, is associated with older age and more frailty, Therefore, when you look at correlative studies, vitamin D seems to be implicated in almost everything. But when you actually do the studies and the randomized control trials, and you look at the meta-analyses, almost universally, it pans out not to be causative. And so I want to preference that conversation we just had on vitamin D and COVID in the fact that when more data comes out, and it isn't just a 76, uh, a study of 76 patients in Spain in the hospital who are taking hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin as the gold standard in this Spanish hospital, okay? 
and we actually get more data and more studies. I will almost guarantee, and I hope that I am wrong, because I would love to be wrong on this, but when we get more data and more randomized control trials on this, that vitamin D will likely not be helpful. And if it is helpful, it'll be minorly helpful in the same way that some of our other outpatient treatments are. Now, why am I bullish on saying, you know, hey, let's let's just plow forward and tell people that they can certainly take vitamin D when they get diagnosed with COVID because it's cheap, because it's easy, because it's not going to hurt them. And it's something that, you know, it's just one more box that we can tick off. Is it good medicine? No, we're in the middle of a pandemic and we're flying by the seat of our pants trying to find something to help with treatment. And so is this some miracle cure? Absolutely not. Is it probably even causative? Probably not. Is it going to be helpful? Probably not. Is there going to be any harm? Probably not. So in my practice, I think having actually now this this positive study will likely lead me not to highly recommend it to everyone, but offer it to people, especially my high-risk people, just saying, hey, maybe this is helpful. There was one study that showed this. Again, we need more data, but it's not going to hurt you to take. And that's probably going to be where I'm at in terms of recommending it, uh, in terms of outpatient management of COVID-19. I will I will almost guarantee that when we get enough data and we get more clinical trials and we get more observational studies, um, that vitamin D supplementation is not going to be the magic bullet, but uh, it's certainly not going to hurt at this point. So that's where I'm at. Uh, so uh, again, uh, long story short, the, the study was really dramatic in terms of the benefit. It was very small. It was not a great randomization. There's probably some other reasons uh, in, the, in the data why we saw such a big difference. Um, but certainly we know in other studies that you, can, you are more likely to catch COVID if you do have um, low vitamin D levels. Again, there's some uh, intracellular uh, and biomechanical processes where vitamin D deficiency uh, might be linked with several body systems, which could cause you to either get COVID more likely, more likely to get COVID or more likely to have more complications with COVID. So there's a plausible mechanism. It's cheap. It's easy. So I'm going to change my practice just a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to go gung-ho and, and stand on the corners and say that this is the miracle cure and that if you're not on it, you're an idiot. Um, but I think that I'll probably start offering it more more as outpatient management, more so than I already have. So um, that's my story for today. Again, you don't need to stay up all night to stay up to date. Uh, Hopefully this was a helpful topic and uh, a fun, quick little topic. And uh, we'll hit you next week. Uh, Thanks for listening and uh, tune in next week uh, for some more fun. Thanks. Bye.